If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of 13 February 2022. The podcast that takes security footage of outer space. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's transactuate the news of the bogus. We're slowly moving back towards sanity as a dozen states move to finally end COVID mask mandates. Masks have been shown to be much less effective against the much more transmissible Omicron variant, which is also far less harmful, more at the level of seasonal flu. So they're both less effective and acting against a milder threat. But this is coming with pushback from the CDC, which, as we've repeatedly shown on a number of issues, is an organization of politics, not science. Ridiculously, they're still insisting that masks be mandated in schools, even though schools were never a place of high transmissibility and children have always been at the lowest risk. But that didn't stop CDC Director Rochelle Walensky from bleeding, quote, We're not quite there yet. We owe it to our children to make sure that they can safely stay in school. Right now, that includes masking. We've seen outbreaks that have occurred in communities where students were not masked in schools and had to close. Who out there is playing spot the logical fallacy? California's indoor mask mandate is set to expire on the 15th, as infection and hospitalization rates drop all across California but the governor is still requiring it of unvaccinated people, despite the fact that the vaccine isn't effective against Omicron either. And Los Angeles County said they'd keep the county's mask mandate in place, because of course they did. Washington is finally condescending to lift its outdoor mandate, which never made any sense, but refuses to lift the indoor mandate. And Illinois is trying to lift its indoor mandate by the end of the month, as will the city of Chicago, but the governor has been fighting tooth and nail to keep the school mandate. Other states, such as Connecticut, Delaware, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, and Rhode Island, were more sane about it, leaving the mandates in place only for certain at-risk areas such as nursing homes. And before anyone goes bleeding about right-wing Republican this or that, note that most of these are blue states. Even back when masks were effective against the early variants of COVID, mask mandates were shown to be ineffective while having all sorts of unintended consequences, as we covered on this podcast. And, of course, what happens with the rest of the states remains to be seen, with many of them and the federal government apparently pursuing a ridiculous zero-infection policy before they allow things to get back to normal. 14 days to slow the spread, now entering its third year. What was that Milton Friedman said? Nothing is more permanent than a temporary government program. If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators.
You can also use the library credits you create at Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. More IP bogosity, this time regarding right to repair in Massachusetts, where the enemies of consumers and small repair shops have actually got a judge, by reports, exasperated. At issue are repair issues with Subaru and Kia, who told the court that it was impossible to comply with the law and then complied with the law, while continuing to fight it. The law requires manufacturers that sell cars with telematic systems to install a standardized open data platform beginning in 2022. That would allow customers to access their own data through a mobile app and give their consent to any repair facilities that need it. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation, Killian's Law in Action, sued the state, saying it was impossible to comply with the law. Now, the federal judge hearing the case, Douglas Woodlock, has said he's nearing a verdict, but then he found out that Subaru and Kia's 2022 models were made in compliance with the law by disabling the telematic system, and he wants to know why that wasn't disclosed to him. Woodlock said, quote, We will ask whether we are dealing with concerted ignorance, willful blindness, or simply don't ask, don't tell. The judge said he was, quote, trying to figure out why I should be as irritated as I am. Is it an ethical violation? I think probably not. Do I encounter it from time to time? Yes, I do. Do I like it? No, I don't. Alliance attorney John Natalenko told the judge that they just didn't know that Subaru and Kia were doing this. That is not a good response to give to the judge when you're the plaintiff. The automakers hadn't endeared themselves to the judge previously when they claimed that allowing people to let independent repair shops have access to this data was a cybersecurity risk. As anyone with even a cursory knowledge of the subject will instantly recognize, this is the security through obscurity fallacy. A better question might even be, why do the car companies need to collect all this data from drivers to begin with? And now that we all know these systems can be shut off, will they give all car owners the option to turn them off of their own vehicles? Your car, your data. This is just car manufacturers claiming ownership over something they have no business even having. If there is any benefit to having all this data in your car, then it should be available to those the car owner says, and only those. Here's hoping the judge rules the right way. It really sounds like he might. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? 
A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. If there's one thing that's true of all governments ever, it's that they love their secrets. So much so that they're almost pathological about them, keeping things secret even when there's no reason to. That's true even in countries like the U.S., where the law says the government doesn't have that much secrecy. Even before the Freedom of Information Act, there was common law right of access, which predates even the Constitution and says that any documents concerning public policy or any government actor cannot be made official secrets. But even with that and FOIA, government has had a massive problem with overclassification, especially since 9-11, which the government basically used as a get-out-of-the-Constitution-free card. The thing is, all this secrecy and overclassification has been shown to be counterproductive to both government operations and security. In fact, although they claim all this secrecy is necessary for national security, turns out all this overclassification is harming national security. You see, the more things you classify as top secret, the more people you need to give top secret access to. And you increase your attack surface making it more likely you'll give all this data to the wrong person. Consider that both Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden were both low-level employees, but because of certain tasks they'd been assigned, they got access to all sorts of classified materials. And the probability, therefore, is that all of this data was known to foreign governments long before Manning and Snowden revealed anything to the public. And yet, they can still pound judges and the press into submission just by screeching national security. It's also expensive. Tons of taxpayer money is spent generating petabytes of classified data every month. And it even impedes the government when one department needs to share information with another. According to Avril Haines, the director of national intelligence, quote, It is my view that deficiencies in the current classification system undermine our national security, as well as critical democratic objectives, by impeding our ability to share information in a timely manner, be that sharing with our intelligence partners, our oversight bodies, or, when appropriate, with the general public. She made the comments in a letter to Senators Ron Wyden and Jerry Moran, and went on to say that all this secrecy, quote, "...reduces the intelligence community's capacity," to effectively support senior policymaker decision-making and further erodes the basic trust that our citizens have in their government. It is a fundamentally important issue that we must address. Ironically, the full contents of the letter haven't been made public. But really, don't expect anything to change. 
Even though it's commonly known throughout the intelligence community that the real problem is when government information is known to China and other foreign actors, but not the American public, who can't act accordingly. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 apiece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. <laughs> And now it's time to convocate this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to Senator Richard Blumenthal for making it even clearer that the goal of the bipartisan Earn It Act is to target encryption. And that's for those of you who thought it was dead. Really, you should know better. For years, Blumenthal has denied that he's targeting encryption, and anyone who says he is is just a paranoid conspiracy theorist. Of course, pretty much every expert has confirmed that the act will undermine encryption, and much more of the internet as well, but that's just because they need to nerd harder. Come on, nerds, you can change how math works if you just try. Two years ago, Blumenthal had said, quote, This bill says nothing about encryption. Big Tech knows it, and either Facebook is lying, or Big Tech is using encryption as a subterfuge to oppose this bill. Now, his newest version of the bill is an even more direct attack on encryption, becoming arguably more dangerous than SESTA-FOSTA. And despite their plaintive, THINK OF THE CHILDREN cry, if anything, it'll make the problem of CSAM material worse, not better. The new version now expressly makes encryption a liability for any web service, since the very fact that they used encryption can be used as evidence that they don't properly deal with CSAM material. And even then, Blumenthal kept lying through his eye teeth until he finally admitted it to WAPA reporter Kat Zakruski. Although she made sure to bury this point near the bottom of her lengthy story, she wrote that Blumenthal had said that if they allowed them carte blanche to use encryption, they could use it as a, quote, get-out-of-jail-free card. So he knows perfectly well that he's targeting encryption. He's known it all along. That's the whole point of the act. And he doubled down with further comments, quote, The treatment of encryption in this statute is the result of hours, days of consultation involving the very wise and significant counsel from Senator Leahy. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I couldn't say that with a straight face. Who offered the original encryption amendment and said at the time that his amendment would not protect tech companies from being held liable for doing anything that would give rise to liability today for using encryption to further illegal activity. 
That's the key distinction here. Doesn't prohibit the use of encryption, doesn't create liability for using encryption, but the misuse of encryption to further illegal activity is what gives rise to liability here. If you're having trouble following that, well, that's because it's complete word salad. It basically boils down to, it doesn't create liability for using encryption, it just creates liability for using encryption. Buried in there somewhere seems to be the excuse that it doesn't prohibit encryption, just creates massive liability. But what's the difference? It's still a penalty if they encrypt communications and someone uses that service to do something bad. I know what he actually said was misuse of encryption, but that's just proof he has no clue what he's talking about. The mere concept that it could be misused makes the entire issue of encryption moot. All use is potential misuse. Folks, this is why conduit protections like Section 230 are so important. They keep companies from having to constantly spend millions of dollars to prove that technical decisions are okay and not a misuse. Change that, and you make it ridiculously risky to use encryption. Despite Blumenthal's bleeding, the Earned Act is an attack on encryption. All encryption, no matter the use. So all of that makes Senator Blumenthal this week's Biggest Bogani Mitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's levigate this week's... Idiot And it's another one for the European Union for yet another issue with their stupid GDPR law. A Munich court recently heard a complaint brought against a website for, get this, using Google Fonts. There are a lot of fonts available for free by various services, including Google Fonts. The way it works is when you design the website, you use a style sheet to specify the font. If the font specified isn't on the user's system, then the browser will substitute the closest font it can find, unless the website provides the font file itself. One way it can do that is by hosting the font file, but services like Google Fonts also let you link back to the font on their website. A lot of times, people might be required to do it that way if they're using, say, a blog service that doesn't let them upload files, but does let them edit style sheets. Or you may just not want the hassle of going through the rigmarole of downloading it and putting it on the site manually. If you let Google serve the font, then the browser will connect to Google's servers to get the font, and that's the part that the courts don't like. 
because that means Google can get your IP address, which they insist is a violation of GDPR. Why? Because the court said, as translated by Google Translate, quote, Google fonts can also be used by the defendant without a connection to a Google server being established when the website is accessed and the IP address of the website user being transmitted to Google. In other words, since there's the option of hosting the font file locally, using the cloud storage is a violation of GDPR, since GDPR considers the IP address to be personal identifiable information because they don't have the first clue how the web works. Forgiving the fact that the IP address, as we've covered, doesn't specifically identify you, all Google really knows is that someone using that IP address wants the font. But merely downloading a font won't set a tracking cookie, and the browser won't pass on any information about what site the user is on or what page is requesting it. In fact, they won't even be connecting to Google.com itself, They'll be connecting to fonts.googleapis.com or fonts.gstatic.com. And those requests don't contain any authentication data from Gmail or any other Google service. But there can also be issues with font files and JavaScript and widgets and all sorts of things. Think about it this way. Of all the fonts and JavaScript and everything else used on a site you connect to, would you rather have them serve it from the creator's server, where it can be kept up to date and have bugs and security holes fixed? Or get it directly from the site, where the webmaster just put the files up and forgot about them, serving outdated and potentially vulnerable versions? It's far more secure to be able to get that from content providers that have the resources to keep it up to date. But that's exactly what GDPR is undermining! Also, under what parameters does it count that something can also be used by the defendant. It can't embed a YouTube video since it's possible to download it up into your website and serve it yourself? Even if you're going to say the bandwidth makes the difference, what about tweets? Twitter requires that if you want to show a tweet in your web page, you need to embed it directly instead of using a clickable screenshot. Is that a problem? What if the content is something that Twitter later needs to take down because the content is illegal or otherwise problematic? This stupid decision comes as France and Austria have determined the same thing about Google Analytics, a service that cannot be localized. Google Analytics is a valuable, some would say necessary, tool for webmasters to examine traffic coming into and out of their website and keeping their website and its visitors safe and accessible. In the case of Austria, they actually went so far as to say that if the U.S. doesn't pass legislation in line with GDPR, then U.S. providers are no longer allowed to host foreign data inside the U.S. Max Schrems of the activist platform NOIB.eu said, quote, In the long run, we either need proper protections in the U.S. or we will end up with separate products for the U.S. and the EU. I would personally prefer better protections in the U.S., but this is up to the U.S. legislator, not to anyone in Europe. In France, the ruling came from the National Commission on Informatics and Liberty, or CNIL, who said that websites, even those based in the U.S., should be forced to adhere to GDPR either by discontinuing Google Analytics or by using an alternative service inside the EU. Of course, it ultimately won't be Google and Facebook who are harmed by all of this. They can easily set up operations in the EU and make them compliant. 
It'll be the little guy who is basically cut off from the entire EU due to the stupid GDPR law made by pig-ignorant narcissists who have to pretend to be a friend of the people by controlling every aspect of their lives. So all of that makes the EU this week's... Idiot that wraps up this if a hungry cannibal cracked your head open there wouldn't be enough brains to cover a small water biscuit edition of the bogosity podcast i hope you enjoyed it if you did please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion subscribe at patreon or subscribe star and you can listen early and ad free thank you for listening until next time here's a quote from pat condell Indeed, if there's one thing a Euro politician despises and fears more than anything, it's the democratic will of the people. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.